You like Buffy. Buffy's campy. Buffy is campy, but also brilliant. I just had a conversation today about how you got to get past the campy first season because it's fun, but it's dumb. What's that? What's that British phone booth show? Doctor Who? Yeah, that's campy. Super campy. Hate it. I hate it. Okay. I hate it too. Guess who loves it? (laughs) Hello and welcome to Creation Curve Leadership. This is Coach Culbertson with my lovely co-host, Kimberly. Hey, we're bringing you episode number nine and we're interviewing our fantastic friends. Really? It's like far away, babe. You're all in the background like, nine. Go ahead. I approve of this exchange. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how nice for you, Sam. (sighs) Hi, guys. We are bringing you episode nine. (sighs) See, we didn't practice the intro. I always fumble the intro. That's part of the charm of this episode. (laughs) It's not part of the charm. That is going to be edited out. This is the creation. (laughs) This is is the (laughs) blooper reel called Kim Sucks at the beginning. But it gets better. <laughs> the theme for so many things. It gets better, yeah. And so it. now, Kim is going to tell us who's with us today. Kim, tell us who's hanging out with us here at Orange Coworking. Who is We're it? We're broadcasting to you live on tape. So we're broadcasting to you live from Orange Coworking with Samantha Fagan from Design It Please. Oh, oh. She's our awesome friend who does a number of different things that she's going to tell you about in a minute. And we are just really excited to talk about the creative process with her as part of Creation Curve Leadership. Sam, why don't you tell us a little bit about Design It, please? Well, thank you for having me. You are welcome. I'm excited to be here. We are also excited. (laughs) What I like to say about Design It, Please is that I tell people's stories, specifically their brand stories, online. So every person has a story and every brand has a story. And that brand story needs to be communicated uh, appropriately and effectively for each brand's, each company's target audience, target audiences. And um, that's part of my job. And that's great. His radio voice is stellar. And now, Kimberly will ask the next question. Stop. Just either ask or don't. (laughs) Story time. (laughs) And now, story time. So, Sam, lots of people have ideas about what web designers are. (laughs) And some of those ideas are are weird. Some of them are like, hey, man, I want you to make me a thing. Make me a thing, clown. (laughs) Make me a bicycle, clown. (laughs) So, all right, so tell us what... Exactly what is the function of a designer then? Tell us, what, what are, what's, what's the bigger picture around a uh, web and graphic designer? So a designer, first and foremost, is a problem solver. It's taking whatever brand issue, um, whatever marketing issue that you're having and creating the best piece of collateral or design or marketing that will solve whatever problem you're having. What if I don't have any money, Sam? Can you solve that problem? Uh, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) You are hired. (laughs) (laughs) 
to have some money to bring me in the door. <laughs> but, I mean, part of what a good designer should do is strategize with you about how to get more money into your business by getting more customers, more clients. So in the end, yes, whatever a designer does should return investment. Should pay us some dividends. So we, as we were preparing for this conversation, we talked a little bit about the dancing monkey, the dancing monkey paradigm of designing, designering, of designing. We have just coined designering. (laughs) Designering. Trademark. (laughs) You can have that. (laughs) (laughs) Sam is not going to fight us for designering. Anyway... Um, a lot of your experience, you, you have had people s- at times treat you like a dancing monkey, and at times people treat you more like a partner and a problem solver. What makes the difference between being treated like a dancing monkey and being treated like a true designer for you? What makes the difference? People's expectations of what a designer is. And to be fair, there are there is such a thing as a production designer, and some people function better Like, they like to be the production person who takes someone else's um, thought-out work and problem-solving, and then they implement it. Um, So that is a legitimate role. But most people, like, when a business comes to a web designer specifically, most web designers are going to want... They're going to have ideas about how to implement and interpret your specific brand and your specific audience onto the web in the most effective way. And so if a client has ideas, I mean, lots of clients, they have ideas, they think they know what they want, you know, with regards to colors or layout or because it's such a visual medium. Can you make that? just a little more blue yeah maybe can you make that (laughs) pop Mm -hmm. a little more yeah because it's such a visual medium like the actual science behind it can get lost or not even considered and if clients don't realize that there is a science behind it behind user experience and behind conversion then they're going to be more focused on visual things that are either working against them or that don't really matter like the welcome to the internet graphic <laughs> yeah or yes. make this more blue yeah what's the welcome to the internet graphic <sighs> you must see it I, now i can't be the only person who doesn't know what you're talking about that's listening there's going to be a visual component to this podcast up on the website yeah, it'll be in the show notes that's a strong maybe on the show notes what I saw the picture, but then I it went away. <laughs> so what is this? I wish you guys could see this. This is the incarnation of the internet. It's like a pink sloth that looks like a unicorn, but with a sloth head. And a captain of the Navy riding on a rainbow. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the internet. Hey, it's the doge. It's the, oh, it's Grumpy Cat. He's in Texas, y'all. Who's that? Who's a spinning head? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
we'll revisit this after uh, I get the headphones off. Well, I'll play you the Welcome to the Internet later because it is awesome. Well, I can't wait. I'll wait with bated breath. <sighs> but for those who can't see your computer screen right now, which is everyone that's not here at this table, Sam's pour more wine just to deal with this particular conversation. This is what this you can't is have things, too much this wine. Is how things, if you let the if you let the client have their own way, you get things like this picture right here. <laughs> they can't see the picture, babe. But they will because mm-hmm. I'll oh post in the gosh. show notes. It'll be awesome. This, this podcast has derailed. Look, oh, that's awful. That is like my first client. All the things are awful. <laughs> that's kind of awesome. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> oh no, that's Snape. It's Professor Snape. Sorry, you looked like Nick Cage from this from this vantage point. <laughs> that's weird. There you go. Welcome to the internet. <laughs> so now that I have completely derailed, let me bring it back. So much derailing. Am I doing okay? Was that a niner awesome. in there? Am I saying enough? You're, you're doing far better than us. <laughs> you're far point. better than us. <laughs> are, you, are you drunk? No. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> He's on blood thinners, you know. Yeah, Podcast you audience. Wine. Yeah, be it, doesn't, it doesn't take much <laughs> anymore. I'm sure, I'm a wandering drunk. So, Sam, Sir. when you start working with a client, you walk them through a branding exercise thing. Because we know we've done it with you, and we loved it. So tell us about what. Tell us about this exercise that you do. Well, it's part of the brand deck, which I backed on Kickstarter. Oh, awesome. I didn't know that. The brand yeah. deck is fantastic. Will you explain to people what the brand deck is first? It's a deck of cards, and ideally every person on the team... Um, like the client team, it should have a deck of brand cards. There are 52 cards in there, I think. And you, it has a, one word on one side of the card and another word on the other side of the card. And then you have piles. You make piles for you are, you do want your brand to be this. You do not want your brand to be this. Uh, you're torn about how you feel about this word. Or it doesn't apply. So those are the four piles that you categorize these words into with regards to your brand. And it really helps people to grasp um, things that are in their, in their heads, but they haven't been able to verbalize yet. Or if they're rebranding, then moving away from what they were with the will nots or the do nots and moving towards what they want, it's really important to have a clear vision. Yeah, I think when we did the brown deck, um, it really helped us clarify a lot of stuff. I think about kind of the the position that we wanted. You know, so we wanted. I think one thing that happened is when we were first working with you about our brand deck, Ben and I were kind of on different pages about who we wanted to be and who our audience was. It must have been oh so fun for you, but the things I was looking for were things like authenticity, relational, um, story. Conversational. Um, Hang on, I'm finding it. Hang on, he's finding it. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. He's just going to yell things from about f- two feet away from the mic while That's I'm talking. <laughs> you won't be able to totally understand or hear it. Yeah, so one of the things that is interesting is that when you have the major decision makers for a, a company um, in the same room with the same deck of cards, they really do work through 
um, like branding consistencies and it, it comes to the surface and that's what you have to do when you want a strong brand. Everyone has to be on the same page and you have to work through those inconsistencies. Right. And it, it really did help us a lot from that angle because when, when we sat down together to do it, the deck that we came up with was very different than when I did it solo and when Ben did it solo. And so we, you know, when, when Ben is thinking about brand, he's thinking a lot about energy and fun an adventure, you know, and I want that, but I want relationship and conversation and authenticity. And, and they don't immediately, you know, you don't pick immediately the same words. And so um, Creation Curve Leadership really came about to embody both of those things kind of carefully. <laughs> Would you say? Thoughtfully. And sometimes not so carefully. <laughs> It definitely got us into conversation around, like, who are we? Intentionally. Thank yeah. you. In terms of who we are as a company and what, what we actually are seeking to do. And, and even since then, we've, we've narrowed the focus of what we're doing, the audience that we're trying to work with, which we haven't gotten to that part yet, but you really walked us through some good exercises around who are you reaching with your brand? Like, who do you want to have um, as a client? And, and Ben and my answers were different for that as well. And we didn't really realize that that our branding thoughts were different and that our client thoughts were different. Um, we realized that that we are bringing different things to the table as the main as the main offerings of our company. But we didn't realize that the who was different and the and the words were different. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was really the first step for us in becoming a cohesive brand, which was you know everybody benefits from now who's listening hopefully yeah that's awesome and i mean you know when you stumble upon a website or a company out in the wild whose marketing materials they don't match suddenly a wild company emerges (laughs) and that's probably because they haven't sat down and codified their brand um yeah what do you mean by codified their brand like to put it into code, to make it a code. No, like making it cohesive. Okay. Cotified. Cotified. Yeah. Hmm. Sealing it up. Sam is teaching me new words. <laughs> Here's the words that we came up with um, for our six words: accomplished, vintage, relatable, fun, energetic, practical. I'm a little surprised by some of these words. <laughs> <laughs> I think our words have changed a little. And it's okay to revisit your branding. <laughs> you might need to borrow that brand deck tonight, Sam. Just sit down and figure out, what are our words again? So codified. To organize or arrange systematically, especially in writing. But with anything. How do you spell that? C-O-D-I-F-I-E-D. Because it has to do with code. Codified. Codified. So you're putting it into code, like to. Well, it's to organizing it, it yeah. systematically, yeah. Yes. And you need to do the same thing with your brand. So right. you need to know your why, because that influences and informs. I mean, that's the number one thing that influences who you are as a brand. And if you're not connecting with that, then your brand is going to be disjointed. Um, The second thing that can disjoint brands is if you don't know, if you don't have a good grasp on who you're targeting, who your audience is. Um, And the third thing 
is if you are trying to do all of your marketing materials by yourself with no design expertise, um, that will lead to disjointed brands. Right, because you're kind of making your marketing based on how you feel that day and what you know how to do, which might be limited. Yes. And it looks like one of those horrible 1990s websites that we used to do back mm-hmm. in college mm-hmm. with lots of blinking text mm-hmm. and animated GIFs that were just terrible. Yeah. I'm just going to put it out there that I hate blinking anything on a website. It is, it's a no-no. At this point, you just... Yeah, please don't do that. I mean, I'm not a design person, but I'm going to get right back off your website if you have blinking anything. What about the scrolling text at the top that has, like, welcome to Hate this it. website? Hate it. it. Because you can't read whatever you're trying to read because the picture keeps changing, so it it draws your eyes to the thing that's blinking. Mm-hmm. Plus, anything blinking usually means trouble in my brain. Mm-hmm. So, like, even if, it's saying, even if it's saying, like, welcome, 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 it sounds like danger. Danger to me. I don't know. It just which, yeah, bugs the crap out of me. Is the point of blinking because it distracts you? So, but don't you want them to see the it. rest of your website? Well, and ideally, not the purpose of the text on your website. That's ideally, you don't need something to blink because you have good design. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's why you need Sam on your team. <laughs> There's a thing called a hierarchy, which you need to put in place in design. The first thing, most important. It doesn't have to blink, but it can still stand out. So give me an example of how something would stand out on a website without blinking. If it's bigger. Oh, okay. Well, that's simple. <laughs> <laughs> bigger things do stand out. If I know. I'm a big guy. If it's, re- <laughs> if it's repeated. Repeating is good. I repeat myself often. <laughs> Bring the awkward. Okay, so we've been talking about how you help a company with their... We've been talking about how you help a company with their branding, and then you translate what they're trying to say about their business into a way, into a website or a logo or whatever the thing is that you're designing so that people will experience what you, what you help them create or figure out or what they've already created and figured out. Um, and so there's this, there's this element of the actual figuring it out. And then there's, like, we call it in the creation curve, we call it conceptualization. And then there is an element where you actually create the thing, and we call that part of creation construction. And so that's, that fits into our, our podcast is called The Creation Curve, and it talks about core and creation and community. I'm making a little wave with my hand right now, but you guys can't <laughs> see it, but Sam can see it. <laughs> and so that center part, like the top of the wave, has to do with creation. And we kind of look at the difference between um, when something is created initially, it's, it's internal. It's, it happens in theory, you know. Um, Tom, Thomas Troward says that there are two different creations, right? Ben is the Tommy Troward quoter. I am. So Tommy says, and by the way, if you don't know who Tommy is, he was an author around the turn of the 20th century. And just amazing work. But he makes a very clear distinction between creation and construction and creation being the internal work that one does and then the actual construction of a thing and that's where a lot of people get lost at they seem to get lost in the creation side and never actually produce the thing so however you can you can also get lost in the opposite direction like 
You can be so quick to put something out there that you don't really spend the time in the conceptual, in the conceptualization, the creation process that's internal to make sure that that you're doing it right. Case in point, Windows Vista. <laughs> oh well, I just uh, it was a half baked caterpillar. Yeah, it? that doesn't need even, a whole lot I of explanation. Those words. <laughs> yeah, someone <laughs> might need explanation, especially people who've only ever had Macs. Windows Vista has not changed their life in one way or another. Oh, well, it was probably the worst operating system since Windows ME, which was the only operating system that we know of that corrupted itself. <laughs> it was amazing. It was only on the market for like nine months, and then Microsoft pulled it, thankfully. And Vista was very much a lot of the same way. There's so many, it could have been so much, but because it wasn't fully baked, you know, they pulled out of the oven way too early. And it's just kind of squishy in the middle. It didn't work right. <laughs> like all of this potential, all of this promise, and and then it just didn't do the things it was supposed to do in a blue screen. And it was just it was it was a wreck, just a wreck. So Sam, um, I'm going to change lanes here. Um, we work together at Orange Coworking, and one thing that I have talked to a lot of artists about. As, there's a lot of people here who do their art in, in, a, in a freelance or a business capacity and people who are thinking about it, but they're not sure. And one of the reasons that comes up, um, Shelly Delane, the owner, and I were talking about this today, is that when you love doing a particular kind of art, whether it's design or writing or photography or you know whatever it is, when you start to do that for money, does it steal some of the joy when you have to create on demand, so to speak, you know, a lot of times um, there's the concept of the muse. Artists are kind of waiting for the idea to hit them and they have the freedom in that. And when it gets them, they, they like go into the studio or they get on their computer or they start writing um, because the, the timing feels right. And then when you have a client, you know, you do get that kind of like, okay, dance monkey kind of Maybe like, it's clown. We have to count the number of times that you've said that. He's saying, make me a sight clown in case you can't understand that. Please, somebody embroider that and send it to them. (laughs) Make me a sight clown. We're going to, we're going to send that to Sam. Somebody make that real, real beautiful for Sam. With a monkey. With a monkey. Um, So Sam, as an artist, because you are one, you do um, handwritten font. I'm saying that totally all wrong. Hand lettering. Hand lettering. Thank you. Um, and uh, just an, you have a sense as a creative artist. So how do you, as, a, as someone who does graphic design and website design for a living, how do you protect your artistic space and, and maintain that joy of creation? Yeah, that's a great question. So on one hand, the... Uh, the act of having to create for other people every day is uh, challenging. And it's mostly challenging when they don't like what you do first. <laughs> no kidding. I totally, I totally agree. Um, I completely resemble that remark. Yeah. And when they don't uh, relate to the, your, like the thing that you've created as as the thing that you've thought through about what they asked you to do and you're like this is the perfect representation of what you asked me and I'm delivering it and you're not happy that's hard that's hard but 
starting my own business has affected me in, artistically in a couple of ways. One, I definitely believe that yes, the elusive creative muse, as Elizabeth Gilbert talks about in her amazing TED talk, so good is Man, a it. legitimate thing that lights upon you every once in a while and you can't control it but what you do control is showing up every day and is practicing your craft and I really 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 believe that creativity is like a sport and the more you practice the more you work those muscles of creativity um, the better you get at it so yeah there's a spiritual mystical part to it but there's also a real live like gritty show up do the work blood sweat tears part to it and then the second way that starting my business has affected my creativity is that I have explored other creative outlets so I got way more into um, hand lettering than I ever have and I'm not I'm not selling that yet <laughs> maybe I will I wouldn't I, yeah, but I'm not. And I started, I bought a screen printing kit. And that's not a part of my business. And I don't think it ever will be. So you get... Turns out it takes a long time to screen print things. Yeah, a way long time. Make me a t-shirt, clown. <laughs> I'll make you one with that. <laughs> will you please? Oh my gosh. Like maybe with a little hashtag and then our logo at the bottom. <laughs> Yes. So, yeah. The monkey awesome. on the t-shirt? Yes, of course. The monkey is going to be there. He's now your mascot. <laughs> <laughs> we do add clown to all of our things right now. A it's not. Clown. It's not just for this podcast, but we just found that um, working together as husband and wife is sometimes a little tense, <laughs> and Ben is making our website... Um, and I, I am sometimes the client from hell. And then we have the added, like, lack of protection of you're married to this person and they have to keep you. And so um, we just started asking for each things from each other by ending with clown. So it's funny. Like, can you make that more blue clown? You know, and um, then instead of being pissed at me, he's it kind of laughing. breaks the tension. Yeah, it works. So we, we do include that a lot. It would work well on our screen printed Sam Fagan original. I'll work on that. Thank you. That's our secret reason for having this podcast. Bum, ba, da, da. <laughs> Just kidding, but it would still be awesome. <laughs> Everyone comes into the web design process or the design process with the expectation of construction. So when I say, no, we need to do some conceptualization before we construct, it takes them by surprise. But do they feel like, dance, monkey, dance? Well... The good clients don't. Um, I guess I clown. But so it's the the conceptualization part that is like the the pleasantly surprising thing that they end up loving because it makes them feel more connected to their brand or their rebrand than they have before or in a long time. Um, it's sort of like your relationship with your business. Uh, is is like a human relationship and if you don't take the time to like spend time with it and and talk to it and like what are what's your vision for this relationship brand (laughs) um then you can become really disconnected from it so just 
just sitting down and asking them and walking them through, through the brand deck um, and asking them the strategic website questions is, is it surprises them. And it, it turns out to be one of their favorite parts of the whole website process. Cause I think that at, once that's completed, I think then it helps you as the designer because now you have a story to tell. Mm-hmm, exactly. That clarifies the point. it for you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think when we did it, though, it also clarified it for us. So then we can kind mm-hmm. of sit out of, we can, we can act out of this strong foundation of we know who we are and is that actually coming out in, in this thing that we're doing, in this way that we're interacting with our audience? Is it coming out in the way that we're shaping our website and the way that we're shaping our social media? Because we have a stronger sense of, of who we actually are. Mm-hmm and who we're looking to reach mm-hmm. that we definitely didn't have before we worked with you. You're welcome. <laughs> Sam is excellent <laughs> if you're stuck there. Now, do you ever find that people, you know, usually you're saying most people come, when they're ready to hire a web designer, they're ready for the construction exactly. part, or at least they think they are. Right. They want you to get started and do, do the work real fast. Mm-hmm. But do you ever, once you get into the conceptualization part, start to do the work of, of deciding who you want to be and how that's going to be expressed in your brand. Do you ever get people who are a little bit afraid and paralyzed to move forward into the construction point? Yeah, so typically how it happened when I first started my business um, is that someone will get really excited about their brand and then I would I would give them like their homework to go and create their content for their site create the written words and gather the photographs um and they that's when they would become paralyzed you know what i think there is a little bit of a breakdown ben used to do a little bit of web design um back in the day or a lot back in the day Still a lot. <laughs> but um I don't do it anymore because people want things to be certain shades of blue <laughs> but um there's this idea of I'm going to hire someone else to do this. Mm-hmm. And there's this, this breakdown of um, even like Ben did a website for a nonprofit that we are part of. And you have to still cr- provide the content. Like the web designer isn't going to provide your content. The web designer is going to create the framework and then you have to put content in there. Mm-hmm. So like you're, you know you want an about page, but then you have to decide what your about page is going to say. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is a different thing than the design of the web page. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do feel like in my experience, there's like this, this sad aha moment mm-hmm. where people are like, well, crap, I still have to do a lot of work right. to make this happen. <laughs> I thought I was just going to pay you and then voila, we'd have a website. Right. But obviously they're the ones who are intimately... Um, they're, they're the ones who know the intimate details of their business. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're, they're hiring you as, an, as a designer, but they, they still have to do some of the work. Right, <laughs> yeah. And so now, unless they tell me otherwise, I include copywriting um, into my web packages so that, yeah, they can, they can cut it out if they want to, but if they don't cut it out, they're going to have it. And that has sped things up a lot. Yeah, I bet. Because also, you know, if you're not a if you're not a writer, writing stuff that's going to go on the internet forever mm-hmm. can be really daunting. And web copy is a different kind of copy, right? 
it's concise most of the time, especially on your homepage. It should be. It yeah. should be concise. <laughs> yeah, when you say concise, um, you've said, or you've mentioned sometimes that there are five questions, mm-hmm. right? Five questions on the homepage that should be answered. Yep. Walk us through those real quick. So the secret sauce to a homepage, the five questions that uh, 95% of the time you want to have answered, unless you're doing something super quirky and and secret. Um, who are you? You want to make sure you answer that. Usually that's answered through a logo. It's the easiest way to do it. What do you do? Uh, usually answered through a tagline. Also the easiest way to do it. Why should I trust you? And by I, I mean your clients, your prospective clients. What do you do? And what do you want me to do as someone who's coming to your website? Do you want me to sign up for your e-newsletter? Do you want me to find out more about your services? Do you want me to contact you for a 30-minute free consultation? Do you want me to purchase the latest, greatest purse? Do you want me to listen to a podcast? Yeah. What do you want me to do? And then make sure that call to action is clear. We want them to listen to a podcast. That's maybe the easiest question of of our process with Sam. So well done, audience. Thank you. (laughs) Sam is laughing at us and drinking wine. All right, so... As we wrap up here, as we kind of bring this in for landing, tell us about some of the moments that have really brought you the most joy in your business. You know, what what's what's your picture of success? I love it. So I had a, a new client um, who we had a kickoff call last week. And while we were on the initial kickoff call, getting to know each other, strategizing, he was telling me about his business. He told me that he had received other bids for his website but that none of them had included they were lower than mine price-wise price price-wise but um none of them included strategy and so when i started talking to him about how strategy is an integral part of every website that i build um that connected with him and so he was willing to pay more for that yeah to be included yeah not everybody should be walmart right because you know you get what you pay for and when you pay for more yeah yeah, or squarespace or wherever Mm -hmm. you know when you pay more you get more Mm -hmm. and so it's not always good to necessarily be the low price leader right oh yeah now i want to talk about that so if someone needs a website fast if you really need a website fast go to Squarespace. If you need a website that's right for your business, spend the time and money to get it custom. That's good. <laughs> that was a That's good. That was a tangent, but But it's good. <laughs> as a former designer, as a recovering designer. <laughs> you know, that, that's so true because, you know, anybody can go to any of these you know, website in the box sites, and that's great. But if you want something legit, you know, you got to put something into it. Mm-hmm. You know. What is someone going to get when they have a custom website with a good designer versus Squarespace? What would you say the 
the differentiating pieces are for that. The thing about Squarespace, the thing about Wix or Weebly or is eventually you're going to outgrow them. And at that point, you're going to have to figure out something else to do. Um, so the thing about the advantage to having something custom is that not only should it not look like anybody else's, because your brand is unique, so your website should be a unique reflection of that. And there are some things like good layout and good user experience um, that might be similar across websites of the same um, genre, the same um, industry. But there's a lot more customization that can happen and a lot more uniqueness. And it's like, it's like getting dressed. And you can go to The Gap or you can shop at Target or you can shop at um, like a boutique store that has a whole bunch of handmade clothes by like local designers um, or people who can't mass produce stuff or don't want to mass produce stuff. So uh, the difference between anthropology <laughs> and Target is huge when it comes to self-expression um, flowiness. <laughs> And it's like that with the website. I think one thing that back in the day when I was a designer, when I did make websites for people, um, the story was the was the key. Mm -hmm. And telling their unique story was part of the appeal, part of the, the interestingness. And, and still draws, I think, me to certain sites. You know, when I see a mass-produced site, I'm like, yeah, I know what that looks like. And I'm like, yeah, meh. Not interested, you know, but when I go to a customized site and they're actually telling me their story right. through the visuals, through the logo, through the copy, then I'm interested. And then I stay on that side. I'm like, this is an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, you guys probably haven't seen Sam's work yet, but when people ask me for a web designer, I always go straight to Sam because her work the artistry in what she designs for the web, it's just a whole different level than what I usually see out there. And so um, that's what that's what we hope for as we build our brand. We're still like a work in progress. But also I just, um, I really encourage people to pony up a little bit extra, whether it's a web designer or, you know, whatever the... Um, whatever it is that you are trying to to purchase from, from a freelancer or you get what you pay for. You can go on Fiverr and you can have someone design your logo for $5 or you can, you can hire Sam to design your logo. It's not going to cost $5. Um, but it'll be good, but it will be good. And, and I'm, there's a time and a place for each of the things I'm sure, you know, um, I have done work on Fiverr before, you know, as a, as an artist, you know, and so um, there's a time and a place for that, but but you do get what you pay for. And when you when you look at Sam's work, what I see in it is that every single piece has intentionality. Um, her sites are gorgeous, and so I hope to afford to be able to afford her someday soon for our site um, because because she's the best that I know. And so 
That's my that's my shameless plug for Sam. That is shameless for you. <laughs> Why? Why is it shameless for me? Because you're not, you're not plugging yourself. Oh, I see what you're doing there. Well, I'm making Sam blush a little bit, but it's true, man. She's the best. She's the best that I know. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap this up. Sam, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, right on, right on. So, hey, you've been listening to Creation Curve Leadership, where we're encouraging you to open up your conversation, shape your culture. Thanks for listening. This has been Coach and Kimberly, and we'll see you next time. All right, goodbye. Ciao, ciao. Peace. Peace.